Founded in 1682 by William Penn, Europeans first settled in Pennsylvania in 1637, although several tribes of indigenous people occupied the land for centuries before this. Pivotal in the French and Indian Wars, the Seven Years' War, the American Revolution, and the United States Civil War, it is no surprise that with such a rich history, our state has developed a culture that is distinctive and multifaceted. Full of legends and real-life heroes who risked everything for their beliefs, today Pennsylvania retains strong elements of folk culture developed by a combination of ideologies practiced by the varied ethnicities of original settlers, Native Americans, and shared experiences. Legends and lore passed down over centuries reveal philosophies that are as superstitious as they are religious and even scientific, resulting in a microculture found nowhere else. You are listening to Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore, where we believe that behind every great story, there is a nugget of truth. In each episode, your hosts, Ethan and Holly, will attempt to uncover that truth and preserve a part of our incredible Pennsylvanian lifestyle. Hey everybody and welcome back to Pennsylvania Life Legends and Lore. As always, I'm Holly. And I'm Ethan. And today we are going to be diving into Lost Valleys. And I don't know about you, but I didn't know that we had a potential Lost Valley here in Pennsylvania. I honestly didn't even know these existed. <laughs> well, you should because they have different movies and everything based off of lost civilizations and things like that. But yeah, I guess I shouldn't say I didn't know, but didn't know to the extent of all of the ones that claim to exist. Like Atlantis. Yeah, I like I knew that one, <laughs> and I can't think of the other big one, but now I'm drawing blank. And I was just thinking of like I can picture it in my my brain. No. No, not El Dorado. No. That's the only other one. That maybe I... I'm making it up. In, uh, maybe it was Shangri-La. Is the one I'm thinking of. Maybe. The idea of a lost valley, a pristine valley frozen in time where extinct animals still roam and untouched natural resources exist, has been a fascination of many writers and filmmakers. Many novels considered classics involve such lost worlds, Journey to the Center of the Earth, The Lost World, and The Land That Time Forgot are all examples. So do we really think that these lost valleys still exist? in our modern world where satellite imagery shows us our surroundings in detail my go-to is no but my, mine is no as well i think they're interesting and fascinating and i kind of want to know how people came to these conclusions that they've but seen i think these, that's but... why we need to start digging is because we're both skeptics yes correct i want answers that prove me wrong that's always fun because you're never wrong no <laughs> Not unless you tell me I am. Yeah, that's true. So, however, even though we are skeptics, according to Henry Shoemaker, a lost valley does exist in the mountains of central Pennsylvania. Recorded in South Mountain Sketches, the lost valley tells the tale of a mysterious valley filled with animals which history records as being extinct. 
Like many of the legends told throughout history, the ambiguous valley is not easily found. It is usually discovered accidentally by a hiker or hunter who is lost in the mountains. According to Shoemaker, this lost valley is near Lick Run, a mountain stream which empties into the White Deer Creek in Union County. While Shoemaker's writings are often questioned due to his tendencies to embellish facts, there is something about this story that is different. Instead of immediately jumping into a highly romanticized narrative, Shoemaker begins his tale by stating he was on his third trip into the tributaries of Lake Run in his attempt to find the Lost Valley. While he likens this valley to a legend in the Italian Alps, Shoemaker's approach to this story makes us wonder if it may not have originated completely from his imagination or been adapted from European lore. Shoemaker reports two reasons for his motivation to find this lost valley. The first was that a local boy named Smith had killed a beaver in one of the tributaries of Lick Run in 1913. Shoemaker wanted to see the beavers, their dam, and the pond for himself because this was the first beaver reported on the waters of White Deer Creek since the late 1880s. The second item that fueled Shoemaker's curiosity was the legend of a lost valley. The Smith boy reported that he had looked out across a valley which teemed with every animal and bird known in that section of Pennsylvania in the olden days, the trees being filled with passenger pigeons in such numbers that they appeared blue. He also states that the beaver dam was surrounded by gum trees and two large white pines. After Smith reported his discovery, numerous explorers and hunters invaded the gap at Lick Run in quest of the mysterious valley. Despite the searchers, no one had discovered it or the beaver dam, which was key to uncovering the location of the Lost Valley. Shoemaker himself went in search of this mysterious valley, but was only rewarded with views of White Deer Valley from atop the mountain. Rather than stopping there with his report, Shoemaker added to his story about the Lost Valley. The narrative which Shoemaker claims came from one of his guides during the third trip to discover the valley, involving a young lady known as Hazel Hawk. Hazel was the niece of a lumberman, Adam Hawk, who at the time took a job with Ariel Pardee and had camps along Lick Run and White Deer. Hazel and her mother arrived at her uncle's camp after her father, Adam's brother, was killed in a logging accident called the Great Log Jam at Lock Haven, which I have never heard of. I'm sure somebody listening has potentially heard of this, and if you have, leave us a message. According to Shoemaker, Hazel was in love with a boy who lived across the mountains in White Deer Hole Valley. Which is also White Deer Valley today. I feel like you're just so used to saying White, that you just... Yeah, White, White Deer Hole Valley? It's it sounds kind of so like bad. a really terrible sounding name. It yeah. is. It is. It seems like a lot of the the names of things, like, they changed it because, like, they were very bizarro. Like, just a little bit changed, but, like, the way that they used to have it, have it was very weird. Yes. Yeah. They had met the winter before while staying at her uncle's camp near Fourth Gap, where Adam Hawk had a lumber job for the elder John Dubois. Unfortunately, her mother did not approve of the relationship, and the two lovers met in secret, aided by Hazel's friend, Agnes Dunbar. He was given the nickname Black Agnes Dunbar because of her very dark hair. One autumn Sunday afternoon, Hazel set out to gather chestnuts on the ridge, and while there, she was surprised by her bow. 
The afternoon passed quickly for the young lovers, and the sun began to set. They realized they had tarried too long. Hazel hastily started back down the mountainside. As shadow covered the land, Hazel lost the trail. In the misty twilight, she discovered another path, which she followed, believing it was the one that, that would lead her home. The trail led her to a large beaver pond surrounded by gigantic gum trees. Hazel crossed the dam and continued down the trail. Hazel came to a large fog-obscured valley from which only the tops of the pine trees protruded. Completely lost, Hazel lay down on the ground and quickly fell asleep. When she arose the next morning, the fog had lifted and Hazel stared at the scene before her. The valley was a mixture of forest and natural meadows. From sides, waterfalls fell from the cliffs into a series of pools created by beavers and used by the wildlife of the valley. As she watched, she was amazed at the variety of animals. Woodland buffalo, moose, elk, deer, panthers, wolves, and many other creatures thriving in this remote wilderness. Birds of all sorts, including golden and bald eagles, hawks, and the Carolina parrots flew among these gigantic white pines sprouting up from the valley floor. After spending all day watching the valley from her vantage point, Hazel settled down to sleep once again. The following morning, she continued watching the wildlife in the valley below until mid-afternoon when she left to find her way home. She retraced her steps, found the beaver pond, and followed the waters until she found Lick Run. As the night began to cover the land, once again, Hazel was discovered by searchers. When questioned about where she had been, Hazel told the tale of the Lost Valley. She never wavered from it. As a result, in the days that followed her rescue, many of the lumbermen went off to find it, but with no luck. It would be roughly 33 years later when the Smith boy brought a beaver that he had killed along Lake Run, which would spark Shoemaker's interest in the Lost Valley. We know this because Shoemaker states that the Smith boy found the beaver pond a third of a century later. If Shoemaker took any other interest in the Lost Valley, he never recorded it in any of his books. On its own, the Lost Valley is a great tale, but within it, Shoemaker provides us with an ample number of names and dates, so naturally we had to dig deeper to see if the tale could have any validity. So we started with the Smith boy. Realistically, finding a boy with the last name Smith and no given first name would be impossible. However, Considering that beavers had been essentially extinct since the 1880s, when the boy killed this beaver in 1913, it seems plausible that an article in an area newspaper would exist to document this rare occurrence. But we found nothing. No articles about a rare beaver being killed by a boy anyway. However, on volume 87 of Forest and Stream published in 1917, on page 123, it does document that a pair of beavers were found building a dam on Lick Run in Union County in 1913, and that shortly after one of the pair was killed by a fisherman. We also found a mention in the Lock Haven Express, published July 9, 1917, that confirms the excursion taken by Henry Shoemaker and Jake Zimmerman and his crew to search for the beavers near Lick Run and the Lost Valley. Additionally, we were able to verify several people and places mentioned within the story. The Smith boy's father, 
was originally from the hunter's region of the South Mountains. He had a logger shanty that was later used as a hunting camp by Governor William C. Sproul before it was destroyed by a fire in 1917. In our research, we couldn't find any reports of the fire, but there is a hunter's region of the South Mountains, which is the South Mountain Range of Cumberland County in Pennsylvania. Hunter's Run is located where the Gettysburg and Harrisburg Railroad stations were established in 1884 at the junction with the 1870 South Mountain Railroad. A May 27, 1936 clipping from the Altoona Tribune we found was a commentary from a reader regarding several central Pennsylvanian sites, including the Lost Valley. The correspondence mentioned Governor Sproul's hunting camp, that it was a former party lumbering operation site, and that it had burnt down, but gives no dates. The mountaineers that Henry Shoemaker traveled with existed. We found several articles that mentioned Jake Zimmerman and Jesse Phillips, Jake also had a grandfather who was a well-known guide and tavern keeper at Tea Springs. Tea Spring is a natural spring in Pennsylvania near Little Mountain, east of Loganton and north of Forest Hill. White Deer Lumber Company was a major operation within Union County and operated near Hightown in the Tail, which was the original name of the town of White Deer, PA. The lumber company was sold off in 1917 and the sawmill eventually followed in 1940. The fourth gap where Hazel met her beau is an actual place. It's in Washington Township between White Deer Creek and White Deer Hole Creek, overlooking White Deer Hole Valley, which fits with the story conveyed by Shoemaker. Today, Fourth Gap Run runs through this area. In traveling to their new camp, Adam Hawk, his sister-in-law, who was never named, and Hazel travel through Logansville, which is now Loganton, and past Sand Springs. These are actual places, with Sand Springs being along Route 192. So we can assume they traveled the road that would eventually become Route 192, at least part of the way. Hazel described Lost Valley as having waterfalls looking like Angler's Falls in the Nipponos Valleys, which is also a real place that you can find and visit today. The area in which Adam Hawk's camp was located is called Lick Run Gap. It would have included Lick Run, which is actually a tributary of White Deer Creek. According to the description, the mountain that Hazel walked up overlooked White Hole Valley, also known as White Deer Valley. Hazel apparently could also see her lover's home nestled at the foot of Muncie Mountain. There is a mountain region called Muncie Hills that runs from Montgomery, PA area at the border of White Deer Valley, east past Millville and north above Muncie. As described in the story, the entire length and expanse of this licked run gap can be seen from Buffalo Valley, five miles away. It is visible from the high hill beyond Youngman's Town, which is today Mifflinburg. The high hill could be Green Ridge Road or the mountain behind the Forest Hill store. Licked run gap is also visible from the pike just north of Dryspock Church Road and from Chestnut Ridge coming from New Berlin. The pike clearly describes Route 45, Old Turnpike Road. The Chestnut Ridge coming from New Berlin may be Shimokin Mountain and the New Berlin Mountain Road. From this description, it is probable that Lick Run Gap is in the vicinity of Mazeppa, 
or as some people know, Buffalo Crossroads. Characters mentioned within the story existed. The map that Henry Shoemaker and his guides used to search for the Beaver Dam was provided by Lou C. Fosnott, the editor of the Watsontown Record and Star. In the book, The Passenger Pigeon in Pennsylvania, an excerpt from Record and Star on July 13, 1917, is included that details Lou C. Fosnott's experience exploring the Pennsylvania mountains. He describes finding wild pigeons in a remote location. This would coincide with the time frame of Henry Shoemaker's excursion, which is described as spring or early summer of 1917. Ario Pardee, the boss of Adam Hawk, who was Hazel's uncle, was a rail and lumber tycoon based out of Hazelton. Pardee founded the Lehigh Valley Railroad. However, he grew his railroad company to include logging railroads along White Deer Creek, which were used by the White Deer Lumber Company and sawmills in Watsontown. Pardee's Woods boss Mike Courtney existed, and we found several articles that document his work with Pardee. While we couldn't find any concrete match for Adam Hawk, we did find a potential match. In the story, Adam's brother's name was Hiram. Our potential match does have brothers, but none with the name Hiram. John Dubois, the man in the story who owned the lumber company that Adam Hawk previously worked at, in the fourth gap where Hazel met her boyfriend was a real person who owned a lumber company in the specific region. Hazel's friend Black, Agnes Dunbar, may have actually existed. We found one census record from 1870 for Agnes Dunbar, daughter of Elizabeth Dunbar. Elizabeth was a housekeeper who at the time resided in Richland, PA, which is in Lebanon County. Agnes's birthplace is just listed as Pennsylvania circa 1855. We also found two census records for 1920 and 1930 for an Alice Dunbar in Erie and Dolphin counties. Alice's birthplace is circa 1862 in Pennsylvania. The reason we began looking into the name Alice Dunbar is that a tale exists in both Native American legend and is also conveyed in Henry Shoemaker's book, Allegheny episodes about Black Alice Dunbar. Alice is a woman of similar description to Agnes in our tale, and many places and people in the Black Alice tale coincide with our Lost Valley tale. In the Lost Valley story, Hazel's beau would eventually move on, go to Pittsburgh for law school, and become a member of Congress. There are three men that could fit this bill. William Carlyle Arnold, William Hepburn Armstrong, and Laird Howard Barber. Some events in the tale that occurred. Hiram, Hazel's father, according to the story, died in an accident in the Great Log Jam of Lock Haven in 1873. The Log Jam was an actual event that occurred on April 27, 1874. We could not find any reports of death in this incident, and it seems like the severity of this event has been embellished a bit. Our potential Adam Hawk does have two brothers that pass close to the time of the log jam, although neither would have been old enough to have a family. However, the log jam was a true event that occurred in Lock Haven. As stated before, Volume 87 of The Forest and Stream, published in 1917, on page 123, does document that a pair of beavers were found building a dam on Lick Run in Union County in 1913 and that shortly after one of the pair was killed by a fisherman. We also found a mention that the Lock Haven Express published 
July 9th of 1917, confirming the excursion taken by Henry Shoemaker and Jake Zimmerman and his crew to search for the beavers near Lick Run and the Lost Valley. It is mentioned more than once in this tale that people believed that a red bear killed by Edgar Schwenk in the fall of 1912 came from the Lost Valley. We found an excerpt in a compilation called The Wild Animals of Clinton County, Pennsylvania, documenting that on November 30th, 1912, Edgar A. Swank of Sugar Valley killed a red bear. Red bears were considered a potential phase of the black bear. Most likely, they were what we know to be cinnamon bears, which is a rare variation of black bear's fur, causing the bear to look red. We found several newspaper articles that refer to the Lost Valley. An article from the Altoona Tribune from January of 1927 relates that the Jersey Shore Herald recently published an article that in the upcoming spring, a group from the Isaac Walton League and the Pennsylvania Alpine Club would be making a renewed effort to locate the Lost Valley. The group stated that the forestry charts show a small unmapped, unsurveyed area in that region. We could not find the archives of the Jersey Shore Herald. An article from the Altoon Tribune on February 8, 1927, discussed the letters that poured in from readers re regarding the Lost Valley. Some of the accounts confirmed the unmapped region near Lick Run and how compasses and other magnetic devices go haywire in that region. An April 25, 1936 article in the Altoona Tribune documents a trip from the Pennsylvania Alpine Club to find the Lost Valley, which was unsuccessful. It also relates an account from one of Jake Zimmerman's hunting buddies, who also goes unnamed, who was lucky enough to stumble into the Lost Valley. He claims that the valley lies near a glen called Steep Bank Hollow, which leads to a point down behind Wise Town, which is also Alvira. The Steep Bank Hollow begins at Indian Grave Spring. It also documents how aircraft mechanics go wacky when they fly over the area. A May 27, 1936 clipping of the Altoona Tribune we found was correspondence to the newspaper about three legendary places in PA, including the Lost Valley from a reader of the paper. The correspondent relays a story where Party did not return to his camp after taking an afternoon walk. The men at his camp feared he had stumbled upon the Lost Valley and would not be able to find his way out and be lost forever. A few of Party's friends eventually found him discussing the Bible with a young woman who lived isolated in the woods. This same article mentions Governor Williams Brow's hunting camp, that it was a former Party lumbering operation site, and that it burned down. So an article from the Altoona Tribune on October 6, 1938, documents that the Lost Valley has been seen from a distance when flying over the White Deer region of PA. The introduction of airplanes provided a completely new avenue to view the valley. It is noted that there was a distinct color change in the vegetation and different species of trees present. Apparently, aviators at this time professed that their planes, compasses, and devices would go out of whack if they got too close to the Lost Valley. However, once landed, if they tried to discover the valley on foot, even using the exact coordinates that they knew that should take them there, the valley would disappear into mist or a mirage caused by broken sunlight through the trees. This same article also details how one can only visit the valley once. Those that have found it have never found it again. 
It also stated that Jake Zimmerman did eventually find the Lost Valley, but in his over 75 years of exploring the mountains of that region, never discovered it again. One clipping from the Altoona Tribune from November 15, 1938, was an interview with Jake Zimmerman prior to his 90th birthday that detailed his adventures. Included in this list was his attempts to find the Lost Valley, making note that the ancient pines that guarded the path to the Lost Valley are gone. Several familiar names were also noted from the story. Pardee, Jesse Phillips, Mike Courtney, and Lou Fosnott. An article in the June 2, 1938 edition of the Altoona Tribune quotes Zimmerman saying that due to the plundering of wilderness by modern industrial society, that he believes the Lost Valley is the sole baffling mystery left of the grand rugged region. An article in the June 2, 1939 edition of the Altoona Tribune quotes Zimmerman saying that due to the plundering of wilderness by modern industrial society, that he believes the Lost Valley is the sole baffling mystery left of the grand rugged region he loved because time could not touch it. An October 2, 1940 article documents that Jake Zimmerman, Jesse Phillips, and Henry Shoemaker did eventually find the valley in 1921. It also states the valley can be found in Zimmerman country where four counties meet, and those four counties are Center, Clinton, Lycoming, and Union counties. An article from May 18, 1946 relays an incident around 1889 where a herd of horses were out to pasture at Lick Run where they were chased off by a panther. All the horses were recovered except for a solid black yearling. People expected that it had fallen prey to the panther, but no bones were ever found. In 1910, which was 21 years later, an old horse, white with age, was shot in the region because it was mistaken for a white deer by one of Governor William C. Sproul's hunting parties. No one had lost a horse in the area, nor was it ever determined where the horse came from. A May 30, 1947 article in the Altoona Tribune reports an old Native American legend of the Lost Valley. According to the legend, the valley can be found only once in a lifetime, which is why it has stood through the ages. It is a hidden sanctuary from the white man's destruction of wildlife. An Altoona Tribune article from February 8, 1948, details the disappearance and possible kidnapping of a girl from the Lick Run region. Despite ongoing searches, no trace of her or the men posing as friends of her family were found. It was widely assumed that the group stumbled upon the Lost Valley and was lost forever as there is no sense of time within the valley. In all of these articles, the Lost Valley is discussed as if it is assumed to be a real place. No one is questioning its existence, which is interesting. It's very possible that articles from other papers existed that included reports of the Lost Valley or other events within the story, but many of the newspaper archives from that time period are incomplete and we didn't find anything else in our search. They find some of these interesting because it's like, this is right in our backyard. Correct. I have never heard of it. I have not either. And I feel like nobody's ever mentioned it to me. So part of me thinks, eh, maybe there's some place that's really remote and hard to just get to, and people generally just don't go to it. But then why would, like, the vegetation stuff be so different? Because maybe it's one of the few places that is untouched by man. But in... why would they be, why would there be animals in there that aren't anywhere else? Again, because it's a place that there is But again, when we did, going. so when we did the podcast on 
The Nittany Lion, which if any listeners haven't listened to, go listen to it. So they start off in one area. What's to stop them from moving across the state or into other states around us? What's to make them move from that spot across the state? There's no way that animals are going to stay in a tiny little place without moving anywhere. If they keep breeding and creating more of a population, they can't just stay in one tiny little space. I understand that, but I'm saying... Although I don't know if we've seen anything about how vast, I guess, the Lost Valley technically is. Like, how many miles or acres of land they actually take up. All I'm saying is, is in the proposed area of the Lost Valley, there is vast, vast, vast amounts of mountain land that are... I don't know that it's all undiscovered, but a large portion of it would be hard for people to just go out and explore unless they're planning on staying in the woods for a long period of time. Okay, so then why, when people go back to look for it, can they not find it? Because they're directionally challenged. So, Meg here, (laughs) uh, just to interject, when I was doing research on this, one thing that I didn't include, because it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't essential, I guess I should say, but I found it interesting. At one point in one of the articles and um, a couple of other spots where um, I was researching to see, okay, what was the lumbering like, you know, because a lot of, a lot of these tales and actually the tale that Henry Shoemaker is told comes from a guide who was a lumber man. He was worked for one of the lumbering companies. So I checked into that. At one point, when the lumbering stuff, like, ceased, there was nothing left. Hmm. There was nothing left of the trees. They timbered everything. It's why um, one of the things that I found interesting when I moved down here, um, and Josh was, you know, filling me in about the camp and the mountains and the hunting and all that, he told me there are no old-growth trees left. No Mm -hmm. trees are older than 200 years in the state Mm -hmm. of Pennsylvania because there was so much lumbering done. That's interesting. And some of the articles talk about how stripped the mountains were of trees from that, and that basically all that was left was, like, brush. Mm -hmm. And they they had to go back in and regrow everything because it was actually becoming a problem. Landslides and things, mudslides, were becoming an issue because there was nothing left. Mm So, it's interesting to me that you see articles from, like, the 30s and 40s talking about, and even even earlier than that, talking about how, like, passing overhead, you can see a difference in the vegetation. Mm-hmm. And that, like, all of the... Now, that they wouldn't have grown something different. They would have, wouldn't have planted something different just in that spot. Right, right. And... So you wouldn't have been able to mistake old growth stuff for the new stuff either, which like there would be a distinct difference difference between the height and like the coloration and things like that. So I think if somebody's flying over, they know well enough what they're looking at or looking for that they wouldn't report these things if they weren't like, well, that's weird. Mm -hmm. And why are all of their technology freaking out? Now there's certain stones 
that can cause that to happen. Right. We do know that. Like, if there's any magnetism in any of the rocks in the area, which I didn't look into, um, but maybe that's another story, that can that can cause things to go wonky. But it is interesting. But It's, it's interesting that it all happens in the one area. Mm-hmm. Like... All I am saying is, look Mr. at Skeptic. a map, and if you look at... I don't know Google, how to read a map. Well, I, I actually <laughs> the first will be posting the articles, and I have a map from the 1800s of the area, and it does have Lick Run picked out. And so it's either, in Shoemaker's story... That valley that he's talking about, that he, you know, it, I'm thinking, okay, what he's talking about is something that's either Mazeppa or Buffalo Crossroads or mm-hmm. something like that. Or what I also realized is a lot of the gaps in the area, they just call any kind of dip mm-hmm. in the mountains where a street, like a, a river or a creek comes through, they call that a gap. Sure. And so I'm wondering if it's not actually just where Lick Run is. Right. And it's somewhere in that gap. Right. Because I don't see a Lick Run gap anywhere on any map. So that might just have been a term that they used to describe that area. Right. Well, and I think they, like now, a lot of the roads that are going over in between the mountains are just called gap roads, some mm-hmm. whatever gap road. So yeah, there's a fourth gap road, so you can drive right. through fourth gap where the story starts. Right. There's Greenburg. Gap Road, so there's, I mean, there's a few. (laughs) There we go. Podcast field trip. (laughs) But all I'm saying is, if you, not that it's not possible, but if you look at a map of the mountain range, it is very vast. It is very remote. It's quite interesting because, really, 192, that runs... From Lewisburg all the way out to honestly, I don't know where it runs to. I think maybe maybe to State College. I don't know, but out that direction to eighty, there are a few roads. But in between those two roads is a huge mountain system that just runs forever. And all I am saying is, I'm gonna drop you off in the middle and you get out of there because it would take you a long time. If you were in the middle, especially the halfway dam area, like those woods are so huge. We used to I get getting there's out of there hundreds of miles difficult. of snowmobile area in there and you could I mean I used to snowmobile those and I could have easily gotten lost back in there and there was roads. But I probably could have traveled until I was out of gas to be like, oh, this road goes to here, this road goes to here. So when there's less of those But when you have like search parties out actively like looking in these areas you'd think that at some point somebody would stumble upon it well and for a long long time too (laughs) i'm meg again interjecting for a long long time too they had two distinct large white pines and it was surrounded by gum trees and so they knew um actually one article i read talked about how jake zimmerman actually hung an old bobsled from one of the tree branches after he had found it, so he knew which tributary, like, which little offshoot of Lick Run to mm-hmm. follow to get to the Lost Valley, but he never found it again. And then the bobsled eventually fell off and right. broke apart and right. or was taken. 
So they took steps to try and find their way oh back. They took <laughs> steps to find it again. Hey. And it could be nothing. It could be an absolute just tale. But that's the interesting thing. The interesting thing is we have articles all the way up to almost 1950 talking uh-huh. about this like it's a real place. Like people just assumed this is a real place. Uh-huh. Right. Well, people are going to find it now because our generation is not out in the woods just no. for fun anymore. Not unless, I feel like, well, that's not true. There are people who go out and hike but I feel and like stay it's to far, the trails, but unless, honestly, unless... We're not going deep into the woods for... Correct. ...looking for our lover boys anymore. <laughs> Correct. I would say most people that are exploring off of trails are pretty much... Probably mostly hunters at this point, and maybe some conservationists. Or you remember, if you're looking for it, you won't find it. True, true. And people aren't just meandering out in the woods though anymore. You need to be lost, or like, just like. Well, we're gonna go look so for it. So when I get lost out there, it. I can find it because we all know I would get lost. All I'm. I get lost like driving from here to like Mifflinburg. So. Oh, and we're in Lewisburg. So it's not that far, and there are roads that I've traveled before that I get lost on. So don't throw me in the woods. All I'm saying is, is this... You can't say this. Our listeners can't hear you. Okay, well, sorry, listeners. I'm trying to prove to my wife that it is a huge mountain range. I understand you, and I believe you, but I'm I'm just... All I'm saying is this right here... Again. Is huge. Like, I that is That is a... I mean, you've seen, when we drive down 80, you're only seeing this little section right here. And again, I don't want to be out there huge. because and I don't want to get stuck about... out there. And again, I've been a skeptic of this story since we started, out of all the ones that we've done, just because I feel with the technology that we have now, it's hard to know what's out there and what's not. But, again, I'm going to refer back to our Nittany Lion podcast, where we do have all this technology, and we still don't know what's out there. So it's the same concept, it's just an animal versus a lost valley. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty skeptical. I mean, yeah. What makes you so skeptical about it? Because we're now getting into the day and age of everything is recorded, <clears throat> and I know it's been a while since someone's reported this, but I also feel like... But in theory, they only pop up or make themselves known to somebody every so many years or so. Yes, but a lot of people go to the woods with cameras. So why hasn't someone just, you know, even in the 40s and 50s, I get it, cameras were huge back then. They were much bulkier to carry around, but... Maybe the cameras don't work. Uh, Oh! Because... If the compasses and there the you other airplane equipments go wonky when they fly over the area, if the camera's a, not going to work in that that's area. That's a good point. Well, as precious I should, cell phones. As I sit here looking at Google Earth, there is nothing that sticks out as a... Well, I'm pretty sure if it was on Google Earth, somebody would have seen it by now. All I am simply saying <laughs> is that the mountain range that it is proposed that the Lost Valley is in is so vast... That it would be easy if it is in the right spot in between the right two mountains at the right location that just is very hard to get to unless you stumble across this one path that doesn't just make itself known, it could happen. I mean, there's places that I have been hunting 
that it's like, oh, this is a really neat place. And then I try to remember how to get back there and being So you're, relatively... you're less of a skeptic then? No. What I'm saying is it may be a real place, but it just doesn't appear out of thin air that all of a sudden this place just and the earth opens up and this place comes up on its little elevator and appears to that one person. I'm saying it's possible you it is to a... go through the mist. <laughs> I'm saying it's possible it is a real place that just people are not finding because it's hard to get to or it's not in a... So you think there's nothing location. like magical or special about it? No. It's just an area deep in the woods that people... probably has things that Correct. we don't normally see. Correct. But people because, just can't get to it. And that's why we're not seeing it is because it is a... I'm assuming somewhere it is a very secluded, uneasy to access location that unless you're really going off the beaten path... You're not going to find it. And that is why you're seeing more wildlife there is because they're not being disturbed like they are in the rest of. That's a good point. But what I like, I feel like what I keep going back to is, yes, maybe nowadays we wouldn't be able to get to it. But when these people were out timbering and doing all of this, why wouldn't they have found it then? Or they're more familiar with being out there. But Why couldn't they find their way back? We have a story from back when they timbered it of the, like, completely clear-cut it off 200 years ago that says they found this. Not that I'm aware of that when they were actually timbering it that they I, I saw don't know different... for fact, but maybe a historian can chime in on this. My gut is probably after they clear-cut the whole thing and then there was issues, they probably were never allowed to clear-cut it again. And there are now currently protected areas, I believe, that can't be timbered. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I do believe in those that mountain range, there are certain sections that aren't allowed to be timbered. And I suspect if there's a place in the middle that's really remote, it may not be worth the logger's time to get to it. And that's why it's so lush, so, so lush the, with vegetation. <laughs> the article's probably from the 1930s. And the ones from the 40s would have been after, after. they had Correct. timbered everything and started to, uh, if not already, had regrowth. But, um, and that's, you know, when they were talking about, you know, the planes flying over and things going mm -hmm. wonky and things like that. But, and seeing a difference in the, in the coloration. Again. But. Do I think there's a valley that appears... Do I think there's a Lost Valley? Potentially. Probably. Do I think it magically appears out of the mist? No. I mean, you bring up good points. I think people just don't explore deep enough to find these areas. We should should ask somebody in the uh, RB Winter Park area, one of the employees, if they have ever heard of it, because it's a good... Is that their territory? That is their territory, well, yes. It would be actually a little more north in... But I would think they would know. Yeah, they probably know if if any if there's any legends still rolling around about it, or if somebody came out of that area and saw something that wasn't typical for the area, maybe they reported it to them. Right, and I'm saying right, right there's a spot. Look at that. Well, I'm not going Legend deep green. into the woods to look for this because I will never come out. <laughs> yeah, it's possible and probable. But again, I would 
So when I go missing, Ethan drove me off in the middle of the, of the woods <laughs> somewhere. Go find Lost Valley. And I don't know how to use a map or a compass, so I'd be real stuck. Yeah, you might be. You haven't taught me very good. <laughs> The necessary wildlife skills that apparently I need. Well, when you want to go <coughs> hunting with me and tag along, no. you can learn. There is an old Pennsylvania Indian legend regarding the Native American Queen Nittany that includes the Lost Valley. While there are many versions of this tale, one has her losing a love in a <laughs> battle with the North Wind. She covered her love's body with a mound and laid on it in her grief. When the Northman returned, she faced it, raising the mound up to protect her people from the storm, and in the process being swallowed up by the mound. The mountain Nittany created would protect her people in a pristine valley for centuries to come, as long as her memory is kept. Some say that this valley is now what we know as to be State College. But other versions claim that it is forever hidden, still protecting Nittany's people within. One question we had during the research is that if Hazel's camp was at the base of Lick Run, if you look at a map, it makes more sense to have traveled straight across from Logington through the Sugar Valley Narrows to Lick Run, rather than go over the mountains to 192 and then back up to Lick Run. Maybe this travel detail was a mistake or embellished. An 1856 map of Union County shows White Deer Turnpike existed in the area that would allow the travel to Licked Run more directly. But an article from Altoona Tribune on November 15th of 1938 relating Jake Zimmerman's life adventures describes this road as wild and suited for travel only by those who know it well. That being said, enough factual details exist to make us wonder if there could be any truth to this legend. How many places in our area are called Lost or Hidden Valley? Is this some unconscious realization of this legend in modern day? Is this a watered down or greater legend? We live amongst so many mountains and valleys that it's very easy to assume something called Hidden or Lost Valley is just a cliche labeling that it attracts tourists. Perhaps it's actually connected to something larger. So does a lost valley exist in the mountains of central Pennsylvania? No. While logic screams no, many of us would like to believe a valley untouched by humans still exists. However, many, like the mythical Brigadoon of Scottish folklore that only appear every hundred years, our lost valley rests hidden in time and space, and only when the stars align and the fog lifts can it be seen by those lost in the mountains. Do you have any additional thoughts? This is fake. Fake? <laughs> Just kidding. You went into a whole spiel about how it could be there. Yes. A untouched part of land that people rarely find could be there. Does it randomly appear? With, with, with. With buffalo and elk and... We used to have them. Mountain lions and... We used to have them. Hey, don't go into the mountain lion, Meg. I know. We, I know. <laughs> we do I, have elk I still. love our hey. mountain lion episode. <laughs> we, we do have elk. They still exist in Pennsylvania. Just not down this far south. Do we really not have beavers? 
We do now. We do. I was going to say. But at one point, they were definitely, like, hunted to, to pretty much extinction okay. in the area. They had to have, like, a, basically a program to bring them back. Okay. So it's possible that it's there. You're just not under the belief that there's any sort of magical properties to it. Correct. I, I tend to agree. It seems far-fetched that you would just be walking out in the woods and walk through this magical mist and just come upon this. Correct. I think things can happen in the world that are pretty fascinating to see, but True. this is not one of them. So kind of on the mic here interjecting and on the topic of lost wildlife, we did have a listener email in, Ooh. Rich Meese. So thanks for, for emailing in. He would like us to cover some time about the buffalo that were in the area because some support apparently the actual buffalo roamed this valley and others believe that the description would be better labeled as a woods elk, which I've never heard of a woods elk. But I either. So that might be something we can... We I think we should because literally everything in the Union County area is buffalo something. Which, as we also <laughs> know, it, from if you've traveled out west ever, you'll know that that's actually a mislabeling. It should be bison because the only buffalo that exists in the world are actually water buffalo in Africa. Fun fact. <laughs> Still buffalo in my, in my opinion. Everything is named buffalo around here. That's true. But that's exciting. Yes. So we should, we'll have to we will do a, look into that. Yeah, let's do an episode on that because that will be fun. And maybe we'll put to rest. That. It kind of, it encompasses the kind of direction that some of the podcasts have been going as well. Yeah. Yeah, we want to talk about all things Pennsylvania. Yeah. And we definitely want your opinions on, you know, what you guys are, are what you guys know about the area, what we can look into and dig a little deeper on. And which topics you're enjoying the most so we can focus more a little bit that direction. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard in this episode, be sure to follow Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore on your preferred podcast platform to stay up to date on new content. Pennsylvania Life, Legends, and Lore is produced by Harv Productions, LLC.